When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. It's Spotify rap season on my social media feed here on, what is this, November 30th when we hit record. At least for one day a year, the entire globe loses their minds over their top five, their top 20 songs, anything like that, and it just invades my social media. To start today's episode, I have to know, are you guys Spotify raps people or could you care less? Well, I, I'm anti-corporate data tracking uh, generally in my life, so uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Spotify rap can be fun. I personally have way too many people, including an entire high school youth group that has access to my personal Spotify, so it really throws it off <laughs> every year. But I will say, Toto by Af- or Africa by Toto has been in my top five for probably five or six years running now. So shout out to Toto, I guess. Well, Toto by Africa has been in mine, actually. No, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's fun. I think it's a, a fun time to kind of just get to do that. I'm not really a big social media guy, though. So, like, I like kind of comparing notes with people in person or, like, talking about it with people that I know. But if I'm being honest, you know, it, it, all these people that I haven't talked to since high school, and then I see, like, oh, I listened to Doja Cat a lot this year. I'm just kind of <laughs> like, okay, well, I mean, good for you, I guess. But I don't know. You can you can keep your little story share thing to yourself, I guess. Unless you listen to the three take, then we That's want right. you to tell us. That's yes. right. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the takes that everyone has, you know, Drake in their top two, Taylor Swift, and they've listened to 100,000 minutes of it. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I kind of skipped through those stories. But that being said, if you do have uh, the three technique as a top five podcast, that's our first housekeeping item of the day. Please tag us. Let us know if we made it into your top five. We'd love to uh, just kind of celebrate that with you. It's been an awesome first season. I think this is our 66th episode in season one. As soon as we hit the off season, basically we'll transition into season two, quote unquote. We have a bunch of new content that we're planning currently so that there isn't you know, a traditional off season. The show is not going anywhere. We plan to stick around. Um, I, obviously, the segments and, and topics may change a little bit, but overall, college football will continue to be the year-long sport that it is. Um, other just reminders, if you are new to the show, welcome. If you're like, why on earth are they talking about Spotify rap? This is not a normal occurrence, uh, but welcome to the show. Follow us on our social media at 3TechPod, Instagram, and Twitter, and uh, you can write into the show as well, 3TechPod at gmail.com. We're glad to have you. Maybe a little late to the party, considering it's conference preview week. But gentlemen, I mean, you know, I listened to you guys on the rivalry uh, week recap, and this is the culmination for everybody's uh, season, right? Like this is truly get into the playoff or play spoiler for several matchups. And I, for one, am, am very, very excited about this weekend. I usually am too. And you say it's get into the playoff or play spoiler. I just don't know how much of that we're going to actually get this week. The The way that the season is played out, I think we have very clear, very clear top four at this point. The committee got the top four right. Whether We can debate the order, but the committee got the top four right. And the two that are on the outside, there's just clear, clear ways to leave them out and clear, clear reasons to leave them out. So, guys, honestly, even if all four of them lost this week, the top current top four, I don't know that there would be that much of a shakeup. Wow, yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting to see if all four of them ended up losing. That I don't know. I'm happen, excited, obviously, obviously yeah. 
But, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, these games, not so much for the fact that, you know, we're talking about massive implications for the playoff, which is very interesting. And I think it's important to talk about those implications. But I mean, we're still talking about conference championships here, right? People talk about these years and years later. These are teams that get brought back. And, you know, we may not want to pretend like these are huge games, but for a lot of these teams, this will be you know, a, a massive game for them and, and a thought at, you know, if you're at a Kansas State or if you're a Utah, you're talking about a big trophy and a chance to go to a big bowl game as well. And so, you know, this could be a big game for some of those other teams. So they're going to come in fired up to knock off one of these big teams and make some memories, you know, for some of those teams that maybe aren't looking at the playoffs. So I'm still excited to watch some of these games and see kind of how those teams can can jump up and give some of these playoff contenders their best shot. I think it's interesting as we will roll into our question of the day here in just a second, but just a note that I saw this afternoon getting off of work, you know, a lot of big bowl games, Garrett, like you mentioned, are, are in play this week. One interesting note that I read, the Rose Bowl was notified essentially that they are not obligated to invite Ohio State to the Rose Bowl as the highest ranking Big Ten team that's not Michigan. Assuming Michigan beats Purdue, makes the playoff at you could probably even make a case that even if they somehow lose, that they deserve to be in the playoff. And I think we're going to have some of that discussion. Uh, but really interesting to see that the Big Ten and Rose Bowl are, are basically saying, okay, you could invite a Purdue or you could invite an Iowa, technically speaking. Or I thought Penn that was State. A weird, or, a Penn, or Penn State, exactly. I thought that was a little bit of a weird a weird news drop. I don't know why you'd want to invite anyone other than Ohio State personally, but there was a headline. Yeah, and unless they have some kind of deal with another New Year's Six game or something like that under the table where they're like, hey, let us have Ohio State this year and then we'll uh, send you somebody else next year or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's pretty clear that Ohio State is the odds-on favorite to go to the Rose Bowl, and we'll talk about playoff scenarios, I'm sure. But Illinois, come on down. <laughs> oh, no. That, that was a fun Rose Bowl, though, with that one 9-3 and three year with Juice Williams. Yeah. And with Juice, great. absolutely. Um, all right, well, let's jump into the question of the day. It goes hand in hand <clears throat> with so much of the discussion that we're going to have. Obviously, we're going to preview all the conference championships this week. We have two that we've labeled kind of can't miss games because they do have so much on the line, but we will get to each and every one of them in due time. Question of the day, though, guys, despite all the contradictions in logic and reasoning, which we could spend a podcast breaking down every snafu that the college football playoff committee has committed this season. But despite all that, does the committee have the top six contenders in correct order? If you're playing along at home, Georgia number one, Michigan two, TCU, USC, and then Ohio State and Bama are the first two out. Agree, disagree? I have no problems at all with the top five. You you can debate the order. I know Michigan definitely has a case for number one, um, but... The only beef I have is Bama at six, and that's definitely not a hot take if you've been following the national narrative the last couple of days since these rankings came out. But I don't think it's as indefensible as some people are making out. Their losses are both at the horn to legit good teams in Tennessee and LSU, literally on the last play of game with, with both of those. And they're lacking that huge quality win, but all the other teams you could put there at six – have a glaring flaw. Like if you want to put Tennessee there at six, which I personally would do because they won head to head against Bama, they got blown out and embarrassed by South Carolina. So any team that you could put at six has a fatal flaw, so to speak. And listen, at the end of the day, I really think that six is too far back this year. I really don't think that any of these teams that we're debating like, Oh, they should be at six because they would deserve it. If there's a chaos scenario, I'm of the opinion that, there's not going to be a chaos scenario. Even if chaos completely unfolds, I think the one team on the outside of the top four that could sneak in right now is Ohio State. So to me, they got the top five, the top five right, and that's really what matters because after five, I really don't think there's a path. Yeah, six doesn't really have a path. On principle, I hate the fact that it's Bama. It kind of feels like Bama by default. You yeah. talked about it, Tennessee beat them head-to-head, -head, but we almost kind of alluded to it. Penn State's been playing great football down the stretch. Yeah. And if we're just talking about hot teams, they've only lost to number two and a number five. You know, and you can say what you want to, and Bama has good losses, whatever else, but Penn State's been playing really good football down the stretch. And I think if they played either Michigan or Ohio State today, it would be a really interesting game. I think it'd be a lot closer than it was 
during the season. And so I'm not saying that to say that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, six really matters because like you, Trey, I don't think six has a real path. At the end of this weekend, there's going to be four teams that have at least one loss or fewer, right? And so a two-loss team I don't think makes it in, right? Because no matter what happens, Ohio State can't lose another game this week. If USC loses a game, they'll be a two-loss team. But even if the other three lose, they'll all just have one loss. And so I just kind of don't see how you give conference championship appearances plus maybe an extra loss that they would drop out, you know, with Bama jumping back in. With that being said, I do kind of have a slight gripe with the order. I do think Michigan deserves a number one seed. I think if you were to take this to any other scenario, right, let, let's play this scenario out for a second. Let's say Ohio State's number one in the country in any random given year. Ohio State's number one, and then number two, Alabama hosts number three, Georgia, and they beat them 45 to 23. Georgia would jump to number one. Absolutely. That's not a question. I don't think anyone would say in that scenario that they would be stopped because of the quality of when it was in the margin. Why is Michigan getting different treatment? Well, you know, you can call it SEC bias. You can call it whatever you want to. The fact of the matter is they shouldn't be anything but number one right now, especially with some of the issues that I think we've seen out of Georgia on the offensive side of the ball down the stretch. And obviously these are all very good teams and we're, you know, kind of splitting hairs here, right? But I also want to Take one more thing. With TCU, a lot of people have been saying if they lose, they're out. I kind of don't see how that's possible right now. They have the number one strength of record still. And of all the teams currently in the top four, they have the hardest strength of schedule. So I, I don't know what you want more from the Horn Frogs. They've beaten everyone you lined up in front of them. Maybe they haven't looked super convincing doing it. Maybe it's been a little bit close and it's taken some dramatic last-minute field goals. But... At the end of the day, they've beaten everyone you wanted them to beat, and it's technically a harder schedule than anyone else in there, including Big Ten Michigan and including SEC Georgia. So I don't know what more you want from the Horn Frogs. I think they're about as safe as you can get, even if they were to lose, which I don't know that's going to happen. But even if they were to lose, I think they're safe. So I'm not upset about the top four necessarily, but I am a little upset about the order. Well, we'll talk about TCU in just a second. We're actually going to talk about the third and fourth seeds first, because to us, those are the two cannot miss championship games. We have one on Friday night, one on, I guess, Saturday morning. Is that when the, yeah, when the Big 12 kicks off. But let's start out West. Pac-12 championship is Friday night. Let's start our, our analysis there. Number 11, Utah, taking on number four, USC. This is a rematch. USC is two and a half point favorites here. According to Vegas, it's Friday night, Fox, 7 p.m. kick. If you're not doing anything else, I highly advise you to have this on the TV. Uh, I mentioned this is a rematch, right? Utah, in a very emotional game at home, toppled the Trojans in their only loss of the season, 43-42. It's interesting. Trey, we've talked about as we kind of led up to championship week, it's so hard to beat teams twice in the same season. It's, It's just statistically... It's not very likely, and yet I don't know if this is uh, on the probability or if ESPN matchup index is just wrong. They give Utah a 61% chance to win this game, and I'm starting to wonder if Vegas knows something as well because Utah on the money line is only 135. So, you know, I think this is going to be a close game Regardless, but it really feels like I know USC is two and a half point favorites, but the way the money's coming in and the way that the the predictions are leaning, you're not very hard pressed to find people that say Utah knocks off the Trojans here. Yeah, I think as a college football universe, we're all just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop for USC. Like, yeah, yeah they've had a great season. They're eleven and one. They're a Cinder. If we can call it that, they're a Cinderella story. I'm not sure we can call it that with USC but they're kind of the darling Cinderella story representing the Pac-12 shot at first shot at the playoff in a while so I don't know like I'm torn on if I'm happy we're getting this rematch because that was an all-time just classic game given the situation given uh, the scene in Salt Lake City that weekend or if I'd rather see USC face off against a new team like Washington but I don't know, getting USC getting a shot at a revenge and that revenge game narrative in Vegas is pretty cool. And if you're going to bet on any team to beat a team twice, you might as well bet on Utah, right? Because we saw what they did to the Oregon Ducks within, I think, 
three weeks of each other last mm-hmm. year. So Utah's been in this situation before, having to knock off a team that they've already beaten. And, you know, Utah is a team that's gotten better as the season has gone on. They had uh, the early loss at Florida. They had the early setback at UCLA as well. And ever since then, it just seems like everything's clicked. And if you're looking for a reason to pick against USC, you're going to bet against the defense, right? You're going to bet against Cam Rising in that offense at Utah, just exploiting the USC defense in a way that they did in Salt Lake City. My cause for pause there, though, is the USC defense has quietly been playing a little bit better, especially since that game. They gave up a lot of points to Utah. And ever since then, you can look at the final score numbers, and I think they're just a little bit misleading because a lot of times USC is up by so many points that they just kind of pull back and the other team is just airing it out all over the field. And that's making those final scores look closer than they actually were. I don't know if I've ever seen a team have that happen as many times as USC has. And obviously that's the fruit of a bad defense, right? You're going to give up a lot more garbage time points if you don't have depth on defense. But I think it's a little bit misleading. And I was really impressed by the defensive effort of USC last week against Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame's not a juggernaut on offense, but they've shown enough improvement for me to be pretty confident in them. I'm actually going to take the Trojans to get that revenge and cover that two and a half point spread. Yeah, my darling Utes made it to the Pac-12 championship game just like I predicted. No, no speed bumps, no hiccups, nothing, nothing to see here. No, nothing, nothing no, no anything weird. Yeah, no, look nothing behind at all. the curtain. Don't look, don't look. It's fine. No, I mean, look, this is a is a cool rematch. You know, I'm glad that we're getting the rematch. Um, USC needs to play better in this one. Obviously, I mean, they lose the first one by a point. I think they're going to need to play better than they had. And and even I think on offense, maybe a little bit better than they had even last week against a very good Notre Dame defense. Um, Everything they've shown us so far this year shows that they're going to be able to do it. Um, As opposed to what some people in our YouTube comments might think, I do think USC has a very good passing offense. Um, So if you don't get that message, come to this moment right here. Okay, I might point you this way if you say it again. USC has a very good passing offense. They just didn't necessarily show up as much as they should have against Notre Dame. So let's just rest that one there for a second. But but they're going to have to play a little bit better. I think they're going to be able to do that. I do think this is the Caleb Williams-Heisman moment this week. I, the only issue I have with Utah in this game is that the regular season matchup was a Disney movie. I, I mean, when you talk about the scene, the environment, the hand-painted helmets, the, the tribute to the teammates that had passed, and, and just everything going around it, the two-point conversion at the end to get – I mean – Everything about that's a Disney movie. I feel like the credits have already kind of rolled on this one. I I feel like they've played a lot better down the stretch. Utah's been playing a lot better on offense. They've been scoring a lot more points. I just don't know that Cam Rising will be 400-plus through the air good. He was sensational in that regular season matchup. If he passes for 350, that may actually not be good enough just based on the standards Mm -hmm. of the last game, right? So I think the Trojans end up winning this one by a pretty decent margin to shut the door on their case for the playoff. Um, they're going to go ahead and win this one. Trojans fight onto a playoff spot. Give me USC minus two and a half. I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm going to take the Trojans minus two and a half. I'm also going to take Caleb Williams to win the Heisman. Uh, in a year where no one has really come out and claimed it, uh, there have been good performances across the country. Do not get me wrong. But as far as you know, CJ Stroud didn't show up in the biggest moment. Can't be him. Uh, you know, Bijan Robinson, Texas has four losses. Unfortunately, this is a quarterback's award. And if your team isn't vying for a college football playoff, you're not even going to get invited to New York most times, right? Drake May was like not even getting considered despite putting up video game numbers. So I think kind of by default, despite a lot of historic achievements, I mean, Blake Corum and Michigan doing amazing things. I hope he gets an invite. I don't know that for sure. I, I think he will get one, but this seems like Caleb Williams' show to me for all the reasons that you guys outlined. I just Utah had everything go perfect in a storybook ending to win that game. It's just not going to happen away from home this time. I think the Trojans win. I think, honestly, they probably find a way to pull away by two scores with their playoff spots uh, fully intact. So give me USC as well. I will well. say there's one narrative where – overlooking just a little bit and that's the shouldn't be here narrative because utah by all accounts should not be in this game the tiebreaker rule is so weird 
the yeah. fact that it came down to UCLA and Cal and usually in college football, I don't know. I just feel like more often than not, when there's a team that shouldn't be there, they perform, they outperform expectations. So that's You're my right. narrative street. Look at the Utes. I Utes. That, that and is a very good point. I also want to say in a slight defense of Caleb Williams, and I know again, that's going to come as a shock to our, our friend in the comments there. His numbers have been ridiculous this year, right? And we say nobody's really come out and claimed it. I still think we're waiting on kind of the signature moment. Like we've always said, you know, you need that signature moment to win the Heisman. And certainly nobody else nationally has really done that. But if you just look at some of the yardage numbers, obviously he has 34 touchdowns in the season to only three picks. He's got 3,700 passing yards. The last few games, Notre Dame, he passed for 232. But if you go back beyond that, 470 against UCLA, 360 against Cal, 411 against Arizona, 381 against Utah. And you can even go back to 348 against Arizona State. He's had some ridiculous games this year. He's had some ridiculous numbers that he's put up this year. And, and I think uh, I want to make sure that we're clear here. He's put up some some crazy numbers. He just hasn't quite had that primetime moment, I think, to yeah. say that, yeah, this is my Heisman. It's mine. Shut the door. I think that's what I was saying earlier. He gets that this week. He gets that moment where he makes that play. He makes that throw. He finishes a scramble, something like that, where we go, wow, okay, yeah, that's the Heisman Trophy winner. I, I completely agree. Our, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's go to Dallas, where we've got a purple out, gentlemen. And Garrett, I mean, tip of the cap to you. You picked Kansas State to go to Dallas from the very beginning. Absolutely none of us had TCU even having a chance at playing in Jerry World, and yet the number three Horned Frogs will take on the 10th-ranked Kansas State Wildcats. TCU, two-and-a-half-point favorites in another rematch, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. ABC. Uh, TCU got the best of Kansas State also at home earlier this year. 38-28 was the final score there, but it was Kansas State that raced out to a 28-10 lead Early on in that game, I mean, they looked like they had this bull by the horns. They were going to slay the dragon in the Cinderella run for TCU. And then their offense just dried up. They had some turnovers. They had injuries. And Kansas State didn't find the end zone again. And TCU roars all the way back to win this. Frogs are coming off of a blowout against Iowa State. Trey, I know you were you were hoping that Iowa State would would show some sort of courage, some sort of fight there. In the rain in Fort Worth last week, it, it didn't happen. They didn't show up. And, I was uh, just looking at the data, man. I don't know what to tell you. The data said no, that Iowa State plus 10 was a lock. I know. But you know what? That was the worst loss for, uh, for Iowa State in, what, four years since they also got blown out by TCU in Fort Worth. Just kind of crazy how the Horned Frogs apparently have Matt Campbell's number. But all that to say, to me, it feels like TCU's offense is humming. And... While I do think it's really tough to beat teams two times in a row, TCU, just every doubt I've thrown their way, every question mark, every, oh, well, they, they're good, but they can't do this. And it's their time is up. Their luck has run out. They've won. And yeah, have they gotten kind of lucky in a couple of places looking at that game in Baylor? Sure, absolutely. But they found a way. And for me, I just feel like TCU has found something special. When, when you have that Team of Destiny vibes, there's always a Team of Destiny, right? Every single year, there's one Team of Destiny. I think it's TCU over USC. Give me the Horned Frogs in Dallas this week, minus the two and a half. Yeah, and I think of all the top contenders, TCU probably feels the most slighted. Obviously, USC knows they have to win to be in. TCU is kind of on that bubble. I know there's been a lot of debate on Twitter this week over will they get in if a loss? Will they be out if they lose? I don't necessarily want to get into that right here because, you know, we're talking about the game itself. But personally, I think TCU, that narrative is not really going to matter. They're not going to be worried about, oh, can we get in if we lose? They want to just go out and take it because they felt disrespected. That fan base has felt disrespected. The team has felt disrespected by the college football media and universe at large all season long. So I'm all in on the frogs. I think they take care of business. They prove the doubters wrong. They're going to continue to do so TCU minus two and a half. And I think you could see, I, I don't know. Th this was kind of the game that they showed they belonged uh, earlier in the season. It was a huge comeback, like you said, and this is the one that made the fan base start to believing. I think they double up on Kansas state. Kansas state's had a great season and they could certainly, it'll be interesting to see, how they uh, 
how they match up with uh, Will Howard at quarterback instead sure. of um, Adrian Martinez. I think that's the X factor to me, but I still think TC is good enough to get it done. Yeah, and we talked about that game being in Fort Worth. This is still a Tarrant County home game, basically, for TCU. They get to, to take a quick shot down I-30, you know, exit at 157, and then just turn straight into the into the stadium. I mean, this is an easy, you know, game to get to for a lot of their fans. I think about all their fans show up to it. And as I said on a podcast a couple weeks ago, still don't think it's going to be that many because it's a relatively small school. So I think it will get packed out. I think a lot of T-shirt fans, there's been a lot of energy around this game and around TCU the last several weeks, you know, as someone who works in Fort Worth, lives in the Fort Worth suburbs, you know, I I really have been feeling that, you know, there have been billboards up talking about the record and the and the number three ranking and everything like that. And so uh, I think the energy around TCU is incredible right now. Um, they have the best resume of any of the current top four teams. People don't want to talk about that. I don't necessarily think they're the best team in the country just looking at them. But the the numbers would disagree with you. Um and I know that they haven't necessarily been convincing all year, right? Like what Trey was talking about, they were winning a lot of nail biters, a lot of close ones. They still have a perfect record, right? At the end of the day, they're still 12-0. They're still looking to complete that perfect season. And of course, like you said, Mitch, my darling Wildcats, they're, they're here. They made it. And I knew they would make it. I, I had confidence in them. <laughs> never a doubt. Know? Never, never a doubt. And not even after early season. Never mind. Um, so, <laughs> but, but no, like... They've been an incredible team to watch. Adrian Martinez has been so good for them. You flip the switch with Will Howard, and he just brings that offense into a different place, right? And that was actually where he got his start was at TCU, right? So that's kind of where he starts coming in for Adrian Martinez. He played the very beginning of that game, I think completed maybe a couple passes and gets injured. And then all of a sudden, it's the Will Howard show, right? He's he's out there wheeling and dealing. I think I have the numbers here. He passed for 225 coming off the bench, not prepared for it, had a 182 rating to end that game. So he played really, really well in relief, obviously not well enough to get the dub at TCU, but he played really well. Anytime you've got Deuce Vaughn, you can't count this team out either. You know that he's one of the best players in the country. Uh, I think he's going to prove that he's going to have a huge showing. I'm pumped for the purple out personally. I just kind of think the TCU, they're going to be riding high. They've got a friendly environment, way too much on the line. They've got a lot to prove as well. I think a lot of people don't think that they still belong, even though they do. Um, K-State, I think they're going to have a lot of fun in the Sugar Bowl. I picked them to be the runners-up in this game at the preseason, and I'm going to stick with my prediction. They're going to runner-up the conference. TCU is going to finish that perfect season. TCU minus 2.5. This is a, a fairly easy one for me to pick. I'm excited. I, I, I would love... As how do I say this? I don't want this to be a dull weekend. I want good games, but I very much want chalk to hold. I do not want Ohio State in the playoff. I certainly don't want Alabama in the playoff. They don't deserve it. I think Ohio State's kind of fraudulent, to be quite honest. Oh, for um, sure. And and I want to see what USC can do against Georgia's defense. I want to see that matchup, and I want to see TCU get a shot. I, I want to see this story have a chance at some sort of happy conclusion because they've earned it. I mean, again, everyone has doubted them each and every week, hand up on that, myself included. And I think at this point, hey, you've earned it. Get You're, you're clearly one of the four best teams in the country. Let's see what happens when you get a shot. Uh, let's go from there to the rest of the Power Five championships. So we've got three more games to cover here. Personally, I don't know that any of these are overly exciting. And tell me, tell me if you guys have different feelings here. But let's start with the SEC. Probably the closest of the three matchups, I think, that we're going to see. Uh, number 14, LSU. Number one, Georgia. The dogs are 17.5-point favorites. Exactly the line you want to see in a conference championship game. <laughs> uh, if you choose to watch this, it's Saturday, CBS. 3, uh, 3 p.m. is the kick. I feel like LSU, listen, that was a bad loss to A&M last week. And I know you guys covered that uh, on, on last week's episode. I haven't gotten a chance to weigh in on, in on that. Horrendous, horrendous loss for LSU. Really bad. And you're playing for your season to be the first two-loss champion or two-loss team that has a chance to go to the playoff, and you didn't show up uh, against a, an A&M team that is young and banged up. And so, you know, really, really tough loss there. For me... Listen, it's the same old Brian Kelly, man. He has he has some good moments. He does. And he finds a way to be nationally relevant. But when it really matters, tell me what he's done. Tell me what he's done. So anyway, that's that's my point on that. Um, 
I do think LSU probably covers a 17 and a half point spread. Jaden Daniels or uh, yeah, Jaden Daniels should be healthy. Uh, and I know he got banged up at the end of that A&M game, but he came back in and I wondered if his season was over. It wasn't. I think this LSU team is mad and they've truly got nothing to lose right at, at this point. They might as well just go no holds barred against Georgia. That Georgia offense continues to be one of the most inconsistent things that we've seen, even though they end up rallying in most second halves and putting up numbers to be one of the top five offenses in the country, LSU might not give them that chance to fully come back or hang around if Daniels and company are running the football, are passing it downfield. So I think Georgia still finds a way to win because that's what they've done all year. But give me the Tigers plus 17 and a half. That's a large point spread. It is large. I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that one. LSU plus 17 and a half. Look, they're going to make a point. It's just going to be a week late, right? They should be in a position to make their case for the playoff, but they squandered that opportunity, right? They got dismantled by a bad AM team a week ago. As a bad AM team, you went to their house and you just, you didn't stand a chance for some reason. You just came out super flat uh, and, and it didn't work. Instead, they're going to come out. They're going to, you know, kind of push the dogs. I think they ultimately lose this game but they will cover the spread. Georgia's a very good team. They just haven't quite found that killer instinct outside of Tennessee. They haven't looked like they've like really wanted to be on the field, like they really care. And I guess that kind of makes sense for a team, you know, defending a championship. You go through your your regular schedule and the other team across from you isn't nearly as good as you and so you don't really show up for that one. But man, I just I haven't seen the killer instinct, so I don't know that they have it in them. I think they're going to need to dig deep if they want to prepare to repeat as champions. And I think they need to find that a little bit this week so that they don't come out flat footed against, you know, like you were saying, Mitch, like a USC, if they end up shaking out that way. Um, I think it's a big bounce back week for Daniels, who did not play his best game in college station a week ago. I think that defense got pushed around last week and I think they're going to take it personally. Um, And so, yeah, I'm going to take LSU plus 17 and a half. I think they're going to keep it really close here, ultimately lose. And guys, how about this for a possible rematch? LSU could get a Sugar Bowl bid and rematch with Kansas State in a bowl game this year, just a couple miles away from Houston. It could be Houston to New Orleans, not, uh, you know, same area of the country where they just go from going Texas Bowl foes to now Sugar Bowl foes a year later. That could be a fun one to watch. Yeah, much different uh, situation for LSU in this one. Uh, more than they 30 like, scholarship players. Yeah, I was, yeah, it was <laughs> an interesting one to watch last year. But yeah. listen, I, I'm right there with you guys. I'm taking LSU plus the points as well, mostly because I don't think Georgia has anything to play for. And they were in the exact same situation this time last year where, yeah, sure, you could arguably have the easier matchup um, if you win the SEC championship game, but it didn't matter. Like, so Georgia could lose. They'll still make the playoff. Seeding might matter a little bit more this year. I don't know if you'd rather play TCU or USC or Ohio State. But, yeah, Georgia really doesn't have a lot to play for. And that's why I'm going to roll with LSU. I think, like you guys said, last week left a very bad taste in their mouths, and they're probably going to want to prove that that's not who they are and just have a better taste in their mouths going into bowl season. So, I'll roll with that narrative street. I will say, if you're looking for a narrative to roll with Georgia, their fans on Twitter seem very, very convinced that the offense has been intentionally holding stuff back um, ever since the Tennessee game. I don't know if you guys have uh, caught wind of that on Twitter, but obviously when your offense is underperforming, it's because you're holding stuff back. There's no other explanation. What is the strategy here? Sandbagging, of course. Yeah, it worked. I mean, if they're right, it worked. So, Well, they say that. And either they just don't get it or they're saying it tongue in cheek because Georgia has a top five offense. They're not, yeah, like I said, they're inconsistent, but they put points on the board. Like they're 12 and 0, guys. They're they're 12 and 0. So um, interesting sandbagging strategy. Maybe they go into hyperdrive mode. Maybe Stoquavius Bennett makes a return and throws for five touchdowns, rushes for three more. I I don't know. I'd, I'd love to live in that world. Last time he was in Atlanta, he did ball out, and we thought that he might be a Heisman contender. So, sure. See, you say that he's got what sixteen passing touchdowns on the year. Five touchdowns would be an incredible game for him. I, th- I mean, you know, obviously, that'd be an incredible game for anybody. But for a guy that would be 
I don't know, adding 25% to his touchdown sure. numbers, that, that'd be very interesting. Nice, so, nice little it'd gain. It'd be fun the, to watch. I hope it happens. I just wouldn't count on that. Nice little gain in the daily portfolio there. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, <laughs> George is, I think George is the best team in the country, the most complete team in the country, but they're not without their issues as well. So uh, I, I think... I think going into this week, I was pretty sure when that line came out, we were all going to be on the Bayou Bengals uh, plus the points, and indeed we are. Uh, let's go to the Big Ten, where Trey, I, I guess, congratulations, your your Purdue spoiler makers did make it to Indianapolis. It it was weird; they didn't really beat Indiana convincingly in the season finale. But you kind of look around the shadow realm, and Purdue goes, you know what, guys, I'll I'll take this one for the team. And uh, hey, they're playing in a championship game against number two Michigan, who you could argue truly has nothing to play for in this. Uh, Saturday, Fox, 7 p.m. is when you can watch this. The Wolverines are 17-point favorites. I think the general consensus is they could lose, and while it would be a stunning loss, they would probably still be in the playoff. And so, Trey, for you, I know you believe that might take a little bit of edge off the Wolverines' bite this weekend. 100%. And question for you guys, is Purdue the most dynamic offense that Michigan has faced this year? Because there's an argument to be made. If not, I think they're top two. Um, Yeah, I'd say top two. I'd still say Ohio State. Ohio State definitely has the more dynamic offense. I can hear the Buckeye fans already starting to type. Joe uh, Longview is going, what? Hold on. (laughs) We lost, but I know we're not that bad. And you're right. Ohio State is the more dynamic offense, but Purdue faces... Purdue, uh, Purdue is going to be a little bit of a different challenge, I think, in the style of offense that they run. I think that could maybe sneak up on Michigan a little bit. And look, this time last year, Michigan just absolutely destroyed Iowa in a conference championship game where they probably had a little bit more to play for just to prove that they belonged after beating Ohio State. But yeah, I, I'm still going to stick with that narrative of I don't think Michigan has a lot to play for. Even if they're just a little bit cautious, even if they pull their starters just a little bit early, that's enough for me to take this huge number with Purdue. I actually kind of go the other way. I think they got loads to play for. They're headhunting for that number one seed. I think they want it. I mean, especially after last year with the whole not getting into that spot. And I know they didn't deserve it there, but you know, I I think with the matchup being as difficult as it was and getting smoked in South Florida to start their playoff run, I think they'd much rather you know, that situation. And now I don't think that I think the committee is going to do everything they can not to put them at number one, just in the off chance that they want to sneak Ohio State in there and avoid a rematch. But at the same time, I do think that they're going to be headhunting for a number one seed. I think they want to put a lot of points on the board. I think they want to get the offense fine tuned. I think, you know, especially after, you know, Blake Corm sits the game. out. I don't know that they send him into this game if he's still kind of banged up, but you know, if he can go and if he can play, they might have him on a snap count just to kind of get back into game reps and, and get some live action. Um, but but no, I think they have plenty to play for. I think that they're playing for that zero. I think that they care about the zero. I think they care about having the undefeated season. Um, and, and I think that they'll finish this one. I think it's Michigan minus 17 for me. They did smoke Iowa last year. I don't think that anybody coming out of the shadow realm this year is going to be remotely competitive in this game. And I wouldn't pick Purdue to be you know, competitive in this game either. I I think there's too much for Michigan. I think that there's just lots of energy around the team, lots of excitement. You also have to admit, like, the momentum coming off that Ohio State win, that's got to be contagious. That locker room is absolutely feeling themselves. And and so I think that they're going to roll into this one with a lot of swag and a lot of, of, you know, sort of I believe in myself, you know, and and it feels good to be a Michigan Wolverine. So, you know, I'm taking Michigan minus 17 in this one. I just wonder... With both of these games, with Georgia and Michigan, and Georgia experienced this firsthand last year where they lost the conference championship game and then went on to win the national championship game. And I think a little bit of a different situation because Georgia knew they were playing a team that they would probably face again in the playoff. And that probably went into you know how they were going to game plan and how they were going to scheme for that first matchup in Atlanta. But... We talk about sandbagging. That was probably a little bit of intentional sandbagging when you know it's going to be the same opponent. But I don't know. Like, I just wonder how much of that is creeping into the minds of these coaches, given the dynamic that we have this year, where there is a clear at least top three. And those three, in my mind, I think they should be safe. And I think in all practicality, they shouldn't be penalized for playing this week, even if they lose. 
for teams that didn't even make it to this week. So I don't know. I just wonder how much of that of last year is sitting in these coaches' minds because we saw a team come out flat and lose the conference championship game and then go on to win the whole thing. So I don't know. Well, I mean, you think back to a couple years ago when Notre Dame got slaughtered in the ACC championship game, right? In the the COVID year when they played in the conference for one season, they got run off the field. Absolutely embarrassed. Shout out Brian Kelly again. Just not showing up (laughs) in the brightest moment. And they still got let in. They got rewarded. To, to your point, they got rewarded for making it to the conference championship game and not punished for losing that week, even though they got embarrassed. And then guess what? They got embarrassed by by Alabama, right? So I think that those teams, those three teams, uh, Georgia, Michigan, and, and TCU, just to reset, are indeed safe. I'm going to take Michigan minus 17 because of two things. One, Purdue's defense stinks. Their pass defense is abysmal and what did Michigan do last week they threw the ball deep look JJ McCarthy I think he only completed half of his passes I think he was Mm -hmm. 12 of 24 yep Michigan had four plays over 40 yards three of them went for 60 plus two of them were those long touchdown passes and then uh Donovan Edwards had that long touchdown run this Michigan offense is explosive and the the best part of it isn't throwing downfield but when your guy is, I mean, just completely wide open down the field, hey, even J.J. McCarthy can make those throws. So Purdue's defense, pass defense, is is so, so bad. Plus, Purdue can't run the football. So I think you're going to have a lot of three and outs, a lot of quick possessions for Purdue, and a lot of chances for Michigan to score. To me, even if they remove starters late in the game, I don't know that Purdue is, is good enough to keep it within a 17-point margin. So I'm going to take the Wolverines looking for that number one seed. This, this again, to me, feels like their year, right? This is, this is the closest that they've been to truly competing for a national championship since Charles Woodson was playing for Rose Bowls, right? So yeah. I, I think they want to go out and, and make a statement again this week to keep the momentum going. Yeah, and to the point on sandbagging, I don't think they're pulling out all the stops in this one. Like, I don't think they're going to be running trick plays, and you're going to see, you know, McCarthy streaking down the field on a on a Philly special type of thing. I just, I, I just kind of have a feeling they're going to come out there with the mindset of we need to make a statement. I think the defense plays hard. It wouldn't shock me to look up and they held them under ten points. It really wouldn't shock me. That defense is extremely good. They held Ohio State to twenty three, and, and you know. <laughs> That looked like a bad 23. That was like all in the first half. And so I think if that kind of effort comes out, that kind of energy comes out for Michigan, I, I wouldn't be shocked to watch this one become a route really quickly. Just because, yeah, I do think that they want to come out here and make a statement and fight for that number one seed. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the last Power 5 championship. And I Can can't we call really... it that? Are we, well... are we still calling it that? <laughs> Maybe the group of six championship. Look, this is, <laughs> these are two not good teams. I'll, I'll say bad. that. Uh, call it a hot take, if you will. Number 23, UNC. Number nine, Clemson. Both of these teams play in a terrible conference. And both of these teams, despite not being elite in any way, shape, or form, have been locked into this championship game, I believe, for coming on a month now. That's how non-competitive the rest of the conference is. Shout out to my Knowles. I love you. But... We're, we're a year away from national title contention or you know being on the national landscape. So anyway, all that to say, ACC championship game. I'm sorry if you watch this. Saturday night, ABC, 7 p.m. Clemson, seven and a half point favorites. Gentlemen, I'll kick it to you immediately. If DJU trots out there as a starting quarterback, give me the Tar Heels all day and twice on Saturday night because he's not a good quarterback. And this offense is not good when he's under center. I don't think it's necessarily better with Cade Klubnik because he's a true freshman and he doesn't have the experience to quarterback an offense in a championship level game. So I I don't see a way Clemson wins this game, to be quite honest. I mean, unless UNC's defense just, uh, you know, completely allows DJU to do whatever he wants, which Wake Forest did earlier in the season, that's a path to a Clemson win. Otherwise, I kind of think Drake May scores a lot of points on a Clemson defense that was just Horace last week against Spencer Rattler in the in the Gamecocks. Yeah, I for one more time this year, UNC is my Stone Cold Lock of the Week. Stone Cold. 
And that's because I don't want to bet on Clemson's offense. Uh, you could not pay me enough money to bet on Clemson's offense. So I, North Carolina is just the drug that I can't quit this season, I guess, because the last two weeks should make me very, very cautious about that. But, yeah, I think North Carolina comes in. I think Mac Brown and his team come in with something to prove. And I think they're more excited to be in this game than Clemson is. And we talk about that narrative in the bowl season a lot. I think it's going to matter in this game. So I think uh, North Carolina comes in and makes a statement. Yeah, and I mean, I don't really believe in either of these teams, right? And I don't know what it is about these teams. I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, DJU completes 27% of his passes and doesn't hit the century mark against South Carolina. I don't know if it's the fact that Drake May couldn't even complete 54% of his passes against Georgia Tech just a couple weeks ago. I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, UNC's kicker apparently just is not clutch. He does not have that dog in him. I don't know what the situation is there, but he just ain't it. Man, trying to pick this game is probably the hardest one for me to pick just because I I don't know what I'm going to get from either of these teams. I I could see this one being a blowout either way. I I could see this one being really close. I could see this being a high-scoring or a low-scoring game. I have almost no read on this game just because I have no idea what team's going to show up. UNC's defense has been pretty bad this year. I could see maybe Shipley going off in this one. Um, but but again, Drake May, he's been really good this year. We were talking about him earlier being in that sort of Heisman, you know, should have been talk, even though he didn't really get the attention for it. I'm going to go ahead and pick UNC in this game, plus seven and a half, just because, man, I just, uh, I don't like DJU in this situation. He looked really good for a couple of games there and just, I mean, disappeared, fell off a cliff. I don't know yeah. what happened. It's got to be, you know, just the stuff going on in his head. Man, I just, I have no idea what's happening for him, but this ain't it. And so, yeah, I think this is probably a UNC plus seven and a half. I don't know if they're going to win the game. I'm going to reserve that judgment for, I don't know, probably about a minute left in the fourth quarter because I have no idea how this game is going to roll. But I will take this one to be closer than I will take it to be a blowout. I feel like DJU is going to transfer home to like, I don't know, Arizona State or something where he, and I don't even know if he fits there. He's a California kid, West Coast kid, right? Top quarterback in the country coming out. To me, the future is so clearly Cade Klubnick. And I feel like even Clemson fans have turned on DJU. He just, it's like every moment is too big for him. Aside from that Wake Forest game, the dude cannot process blitz packages, complex coverages, I, it's a it's a true roll of the dice if he's going to pass for more than 100 yards right now uh, without turning the football over. So, you know, I, I just I don't believe in Clemson's offense either. I think UNC, I don't know if they totally win the game just because I don't think UNC is very good either, but certainly not going to bet on Clemson to win by more than a score. So uh, all, all three of us on the Tar Heels. Get quick game stats for him outside of that Wake Forest game where he was sensational. His highest passing output this year was 233 yards against Miami. Oof. That's that's not great. That's not just not great. great. And there's a lot of 100-plus yard games here. And then, of course, the stinker against South Carolina where he couldn't even make it to the century mark. That's, that's not good. He, he's, probably heading, he's probably heading west at the end of the season. Yeah, and he might need a little bit of a Bo Nix rehab program where he yeah. goes from – a little bit stiffer competition. Not that the ACC is stiff competition, but I'm gonna say, uh... <laughs> going out West might not be the worst thing for his career. Uh, all right. Well, Trey's you put in the notes, let's get to the games where we're actually playing for something. Group of five championships. This is, listen, most years, the power five have certain playoff implications on the line, right? That's, that's just the truth of the matter. But for us, we really love watching some group of five conference championship games for, because for so many of these it's almost never the same matchup year in year out you always have teams that are vying for that top group of five status to go to a new year's six bowl let's start with conference usa you've got number uh, or I, I should say seven and five unt who clinched their half of conference usa taking on the perennial favorites right now at least it certainly seems like jeff trailer has utsa trending that way 10 and 2 are the Roadrunners this year. That game is Friday night in the Alamo Dome. UNT's got an awesome offense, but guys, UTSA, they just keep coming back. UTEP was up massively last week, up 21 points. The Bullbound Express was rolling through San Antonio on its home return. 
to El Paso, and then UTSA just Frank Harris rose up and, and claimed that game, and the Roadrunners win. It's hard for me in their own stadium to say that they're not going to win the conference championship game. I love the offense in Denton, but UTSA is the more complete team. Yeah, the Alamo Dome is going to be rocking. And if you have not watched Frank Harris play football, do yourself a favor. I know that Pac-12 championship game is going to be a lot of fun to watch as well, but do yourself a favor and at least turn it over uh, to, what is it, CBS Sports Network, probably, um, whenever the Roadrunners have the ball, because Frank Harris is just an absolute delight to watch run a college offense. So, yeah, I'm excited to be uh, watching UTSA. They're a really fun program on the rise. and I personally hope they can keep it going and start to cause a lot of problems for the big boys in Texas. But, you know, I don't know why UTSA isn't in consideration for the Cotton Bowl. They just haven't seemed to get a lot of buzz from the college football playoff committee for whatever reason. I think they get it done this week, though. Uh, This is a big revenge game, too, from last year, if you recall. North Texas beat UTSA on the last week of the regular season. And probably knocked UTSA out of the New Year's Six. So I think the Roadrunners get some revenge. They bring home another trophy and Jeff Trailer and the boys go home happy. Yeah, I think we're going to go three for three on this one. I'm also going to go with UTSA on this one. Again, kind of a home game. So it's it's not really going to be an issue for them. UNT has been really fun to watch. And, you know, Grandpa Austin has been really, really good. Uh, he, he's got 31 touchdowns on the season. It's been a really cool story. Very exciting for him, but there is a chance he dies of natural causes in this one. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go with Frank Harris. Um, obviously he's been really good too. Um, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's got 3,500 yards passing. It's, you know, really cool for him. I, I'm really excited to watch this one. I think it'll be a fun game just to sit down and enjoy but yeah, I am going to go UTSA in this one. I don't think it's particularly close. The the scoring offense is much better for UTSA, and their defense is middle of the pack, while UNT's defense has a lot of work to do. I think, uh, I don't know if UNT has a collective or, or any boosters that run NIL over there, but I think there was an opportunity missed not to sign him to like a Skechers orthopedic shoe deal or something <laughs> like that. Just give him some old man shoes, considering he's 28, almost 29. Um yeah, get him to deal with like Sperry's or something like that. Yeah, just just give me, you know, maybe some hey dudes, just the, the yeah. typical dad <laughs> shoe, right? Um, I, I think that's that was an opportunity that was missed. But uh, all three of us on the road runners in San Antonio, Maction. Now this is an interesting game. You got Toledo at seven and five, Ohio nine and three. It's a Saturday morning game at Ford Field. The Bobcats really came kind of out of nowhere. In the MAC, uh, what is it? The MAC East. It was Buffalo's division to win, and then week in, week out, the Bulls found a way to lose, uh, including that game to Kent State. They were up by what was it, ten, with like three minutes left, and Kent State goes to forces overtime. Buffalo punts and then fumbles on the next possession. Kent State beats them in double overtime. I mean, just goodness, being a a bandwagon Buffalo fan in the MAC was was pitiful this year. Ohio proved me wrong the last week of the season. I thought Bowling Green would hold hold serve, keep it within a score. They got blown out by the Bobcats, and it seems like Ohio has the momentum here. Even though the Maple Missile's out, I still think I'm going to ride with Ohio. Toledo, Sean Finn, explosive offense, but something feels right about the Bobcats this year. Yeah, the only thing that I just really don't understand about this game is why it isn't on Friday night as well. Because yeah, it's usually on Friday night, isn't it? It just feels wrong to not have a Friday night Mac title game. That's just yep. what I grew up with. But I digress. I guess we'll roll with it being 11 a.m. local time in Detroit. But I think I'm going to lean Toledo in this one. I like the explosive offense. It always seems like, too, in the Mac title game, the team with the maybe worst overall season finds a way to win. That just seems, I don't know how true that is, but at least in my perception and remembering of history, that seems to be what happened. Sure. Yeah, that's that's honestly kind of fair. I think that's probably true. I think Toledo plays slightly better defense in this one, um, and I think that that's going to kind of be the the same thing. They both have good offenses. You know, I think Ohio probably runs the ball a little bit better in this game, but man, I just think Toledo's going to come up with one or two more stops in this game. So I'm actually going to be with Toledo on this one as well. Just give me something weird in the MAC championship game. You know, just give me something really weird, something bizarre. You know, something late in the fourth quarter to really you know just kind of screw the game up. And and I'll have Toledo 
ending up on the right side of it. Finn is a little turnover prone. That's what worries me about Toledo. If Ohio's defense can, can force some turnovers, especially some fumbles, uh, I, I like the Bobcats' chances. So I'll I'll keep us from from maybe the game day kiss of death uh, to the Rockets there and go go Ohio and I'll celebrate your your win on the recap show on uh, on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Sunbelt, Coastal Carolina, wink wink versus Troy. Uh, this is Saturday. Troy will host this game. Troy Trojans, very, very impressive season. 10-2 and two on the year. Uh, they dominated the Sunbelt West. Coastal, on the other hand, is in as the East representative, not the East champion, but the East representative because James Madison is not eligible for any sort of postseason thanks to the dumb NCAA rules. So for me, on principle... I don't care if Coastal might be the better team. I'm rolling with the Troy Trojans because Coastal shouldn't be here, and I refuse to lean into that narrative that they're then going to win. I know it's happened in the past, but give me the team that should be there. Come on, Troy. Don't let me down. Listen, uh, Grayson McCall got hurt, and that game against James Madison, I'm 100% convinced, would be a lot different. I don't know if the Chanticleers would have won, but I would absolutely take Coastal Carolina with Grayson McCall plus 40. Um, because they lost by 40 without him. So I, I think I'd be comfortable betting that spread. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting because Grayson McCall apparently might be back. Jamie Chadwell's been kind of hit or miss about that. He said if the game, I saw on Twitter today, Wednesday, he said if the game was today, he absolutely would not be playing. But they're going to try to give it a go and practice over the next couple of days to see if he can get ready. If Grayson McCall plays, Coastal's going to win this game by multiple scores. Um, Troy's offense is not good. They've been a defensive-led team, and Coastal usually feasts on defensive-led teams because they run an offense that your defense, no matter how good they are, it's just really, really difficult to prepare for. So if Grayson McCall plays, I know it's a cop-out. I'm, I'm going to wait and see if he's playing. But if he plays, I think they win. If he does not play, I think Troy wins. It's literally going to be as simple as that, and I don't think he's going to play, so I'll go with Troy. Yeah, I guess I'll triple up with Troy on this one. Look, they have the eighth best scoring defense in the country, 16.8 points a game. I don't care how – I'm going to go the other way from what Trey said. I don't care how good your offense is. When you play that good a defense, they're going to hold you down well below your numbers. And on a not 100% Grayson McCall being your best chance, because if he plays, he's not 100%. If he's absolutely not playing today, then he's not playing at 100% on Saturday. And so, you know, less than 100%, maybe you rattle him a little bit, get a little pass rush, get up in his face early, knock him down a couple times in the first quarter. Man, I just I don't think that that goes super well for Coastal. And I'm kind of with Mitch on this one. I think that James Madison has been, you know, slighted. And so I'm going to I'm going to go on principle with Troy here. Uh, I, I think the Trojans, they'll, they'll end up going 2-0 and in conference championships. <laughs> hang, hang the banner, Dukes. Do it. Do it. You're, you're buying your players' rings. They deserve it. Darn well should. Celebrate. Live it up. You won this conference division's championship. Absolutely hang the banner. Uh, to the American, which uh, we've been doing the group of five chronologically, so this is without a doubt the biggest game in the group of fi- five slate. Pardon me. Number 22, UCF, 9-3 and three on the, the regular season at number 18, Tulane. The Green Wave are 10-2. and two. You can watch this Saturday afternoon on ABC. This is the first conference championship appearance for Tulane in their program history. So big event number one. Big event number two, Willie Fritz is back. After previously being rumored to signing a signing a deal with Georgia Tech, I mean, there were Atlanta reporters saying he that mm-hmm. the ink on the page was dry that he was taking over the rambling wreck. He announced to the school and his players, hey, I'm staying and will receive an extension to stay in New Orleans. There's a lot of, call it a wave, wave of momentum here for, for Tulane. Give me the green wave in this one. I, I know they lost to UCF the first time, but again, I'm going to go back to the well. It's hard to beat a team twice. I think Tulane just has so much going for it. I want to see them in the Cotton Bowl. Maybe that's a heart pick. Maybe that's why I'm leaning towards Tulane, but I want to see them rewarded for a magical season, literally flipping their records on its head from last year. Two and 10 a season ago, 10 and two this year. Come on, Tulane, I'm riding with you. Yeah, and this is for the Cotton Bowl. I know we were waiting to see if UTSA or somebody else would get ranked in the final college football playoff poll. 
this game's for the Cotton Bowl. The winner is going to get to go and take on a Power Five conference team and, you know, be the group of five champions. So I'm excited to see this. I think Tulane probably learned a lot from getting kicked around by UCF. And that was a really uncharacteristic game for Tulane. They've been really solid on defense in every game except for UCF uh, earlier this year. And, you know, I think they're going to look at the film. I think they're going to learn from it. And, yeah, they're just going to ride that wave of momentum of getting their coach back and keeping uh, riding high. So, yeah, like you said, Mitch, it's probably a heart pick, but I'm going to roll with Tulane as well. Guys, I didn't have a wave pun ready. I'm going to have to think of one while I'm talking. Um I'm also going to pick Tulane actually in this one. I think that this is, it's a good moment for them. I think they're the better team. You know, they, they pass the ball better. Surprisingly, they also, I mean, Ty J Spears has been ridiculous on the ground. He's got almost 1200 yards on the ground, 14 touchdowns on the year. I think he's probably one of your X factors in this game. Your other X factor in this game is probably actually Gus Malzahn. And the fact that, you know, man, do I trust him in a late season situation? I don't think I do. I don't think that's probably his situation. Not unless he's where playing he Alabama. If he's playing uh, Alabama, give, <laughs> let me bet on him. If but. he's playing Alabama, yeah, I might go with him. But you know, this is Tulane we're talking about. This is a a team that deserves you know late season accolades. And so, you know, I'm 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 going with Tulane on this one. Insert wave pun here. Uh, and, and I just I think that this is again kind of a heart pick, but I want them to win. I, and I think that they will. I think they're the better team, and I think that they'll end up making it to a Cotton Bowl, and that'll be a lot of fun to watch. I, yeah, I really want Tulane to win this. UCF's had their moment in the sun. They've they've lost some really bizarre games, like losing to Navy. Where did that come from? We we talked about that at the time. Tulane, they're just they're they're the better they're the better feel for my college football soul. Uh, final game here to talk about Fresno State, eight and four on the year, taking on Boise State, who's nine and three. Also a Saturday game on Fox that you can watch this Saturday afternoon. Boise State, they started 2-2 two and two with an embarrassing loss to UTEP, 27-10 in week four of the season. They fired their offensive coordinator. Uh, Dirk Cutter was brought in to take over the offense. They then won four straight. They barely lost to BYU, 31-28. And overall, they won 7-8 of eight to finish the regular season, including an absolute drubbing of Utah State in the season finale. Jake Hayner hasn't quite been the same magician that we saw a season ago. And for that reason, Kalen Bohr obviously goes uh, to, to Washington. It's felt like the magic just hasn't been there with Fresno State. They were a special team last year, maybe not so much this year. Guys, I never would have thought that Boise State, after the start to their season, would end up in the conference championship with all this momentum. I'm going to ride the hot hand. I'm going to go with Boise State in this game. Yeah, they, they looked bad early this season. And when, when Hank Bachmeyer was quarterback, they looked really, really disconcerted on offense. Taylor Green has been a really, really nice surprise. He came in in the Oregon State game, if you remember, at the beginning of the year after Bachmeyer got benched for throwing mm-hmm. three or four interceptions early on. I think in and, a row. Yeah, and... He lost the job for a little bit. They gave it back to Bachmeyer. But ever since he's taken over, that Boise offense has just had a different gear to it. So really, really fun team to watch down the stretch. They've really taken off, especially against Mountain West competition. So I'm going to take them tentatively as well. I don't. Jay Kaner might have one last trick up his sleeve, though. I think every time that we think Fresno State, when Jay Kaner's been quarterback, every time it seems like Fresno State's the definitive underdog, he puts up a pretty good game. So. Tentatively going to take Boise State, but it wouldn't surprise me if Fresno came up and got him. Yeah, no, I mean, man, we tripled up on Troy. We tripled up on Tulane. We're going to do it again on Boise. They have such a different gear to that offense, especially running the football. Their top three rushers, including Taylor Green in this one, actually, have combined for over 2,000 yards rushing and 24 touchdowns. They're extremely effective on the ground. They know what they want to do. They also have the top, they have a, it's number nine in scoring defense. They're just the better team, I think, in this situation. I'm like you, Trey. I wouldn't be shocked if Fresno State comes in and wins this one. But give me Boise State. You know, and It's been a really cool story to watch them turn around. I, I just really am excited to see what this team can do. This is a rematch as well. Boise won this one by 20 um, early on in the season. That made Fresno State fall to 1-4. and four. And then they rattled yeah. off seven straight wins to close the season. So just a really cool story that Fresno's even here. And they're a completely different team than the last time they played Boise because 
they've been putting up a lot of big numbers on offense uh, mm-hmm. ever since uh, they kind of got to get to the softer part of that Mountain West schedule. But yeah, yeah, I, I think this could be a really fun shootout. That could be a lot of points scored. I'd honestly, I would rather watch this game than I would the Big Ten Championship and the ACC Championship. Just to be, yeah. just to be completely honest. Now, I won't really get to. I'm going to be driving down to Georgetown to call high school football, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. So I'll, I'll have to catch up on a lot of highlights. We'll TiVo it for you. You can come, you can come over and watch it on Sunday. That's right. I appreciate <laughs> it. All right, guys. Well, conference championship week, consider it previewed. We're excited for some of these matchups and really excited, I think, just to have the, the puzzle pieces in place, right? A lot of things we just kind of assume are, are going to be a fact after this Saturday and, and as the, the playoff rankings come out on Sunday afternoon. What we'll do is we will record our recap episode after all of that. So you will have our reaction to the college football uh, rankings. I don't know if all the bowl games will be set by the time that we hit record. We'll do our best to to maybe mention some of the highlights, but we will have a bowl game preview to come out. We're still figuring out how exactly we're going to format that, if it's going to be one giant episode, if we're going to piecemeal it. But anyway, stay tuned. We will cover every aspect of the postseason. And then as we head into the offseason uh, in January, Stick with us. We're really excited for a lot of content coming up there. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 